0: This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I'm Jess Nam, And this is Jamal Dejani. Well, it's been a while, Jamal. I know that uh, you've been on assignment. I've been on assignment. So we've had to like cover the cover the show, uh, you know, individually for a while. But we're both back in studio, which is great. A lot happens in between the last time we were both in studio and I don't even know where to begin. Well, uh, shall we begin with
1: the Trump saga? <laughs> the Trump saga continues. But, but which one? There, a lot. But, I don't know but today, one. actually, there is a development that we should update our listeners on, which is, uh, which is federal investigators the, exploring whether Donald Trump's campaign colluded with Russian spies have seized on Trump and his associ- associates. Financial ties to Russia as one of the most fertile avenues for moving their probe forward. Yeah. Uh, this is according to people familiar with the investigation. Uh, the web of financial ties ties could offer a more concrete path toward potential prosecution than the broader and murkier questions of collusion in the 2016 campaign. There was also another uh, breaking news uh, today that I saw about uh, a subpoena uh, that has been issued, uh, uh, I guess, uh, to Donald Trump Jr.
0: Well, of course, there should be a subpoena to Donald Trump Jr. Here's the thing that Donald Trump doesn't want people to know, Jamal. is, And I've been speculating on this for quite some time, and I think there's evidence to support it now. His properties have been underwater. He has unloaded properties and had, and had properties refinanced in what appears to be a shady shell game where Russian oligarchs have been laundering money and getting it to him and I think also to Jared Kushner. Now, I know that sounds kind of explosive and sounds very kind of uh, condemning, but... I want to draw your attention to him selling a property in Florida, which was only worth, I don't know, eight or nine million dollars. This was like uh, early 2000s and a Russian oligarch bought it. It had been on the market for years. Nobody
1: bought it before.
0: Nobody. Right. He bought it for 40 million dollars. Now who pays five times the amount of a price of a property, pays cash and then buys a property that is basically not selling for years. I mean, in some sense, I think what uh, Robert Mueller is going to find is that there's been lots of money through shell games, through offshore, you know, accounts that have been coming between Russian oligarchs and Donald Trump. Well, I mean, uh, you can only speculate
1: why why he is the only president for so many years not to release his Income tax returns, as as is the tra- tradition for every incoming president to the United States, I don't know since uh, Nixon, N- Nixon, uh, maybe even earlier. But the breaking news, because I just want to make oh, sure what's the that, news? Uh, that uh, I I've said it correctly that the grand jury subpoenas have been issued related to June two thousand sixteen meeting between Do- Donald Trump Jr. Kushner. Russian lawyers. And others. That's, oh, that's that's the breaking news.
0: Oh, that's big news. That's really big news.
1: It is uh, it is it, it is, uh, you know, because now, you know, this is uh, this is going back to the meeting that Initially, in the, that never happened, and then all of a sudden, yeah, we met. It was only two people. It's on, only two people. Nothing was disguised. Then it was, was five. Then it was the,
0: six. Then it was eight.
1: Yeah. So, so this is, I think, I think this is the biggest news that we are having for the day. Yeah. And, uh, and two things might happen, of course. Uh, if this continues, we're going to find out a lot of people. But I also, <laughs> the other speculation uh, that might happen is uh, Trump might
0: just fire Muller well I think his judgment Jamal has been so poor his acting on emotion is is so consistent I mean this is not a person that thinks carefully that strategizes he doesn't play chess he barely plays checkers he has an emotional reaction and then he reacts and he doesn't even think about things and I think there's more than a reasonable chance that he'll fire Muller If he does, I mean, even have Republicans like Lindsey Graham saying, Jamal, that that could be the beginning of the end of his presidency if he, in fact, fires somebody, fires the special prosecutor Mueller. But I think, you know, all the evidence, I mean, of course, we want to keep an open mind. Of course, we want to see what happens and what the Mueller investigation finds. But it just looks like he's been doing deals with Russian oligarchs and taking money from them and doing everything possible to protect Russia and Putin, because you know what, Jamal? This is my theory. Putin knows everything he does. And that's why he's trying to protect him.
1: Yeah, but I like actually what you said earlier about the uh, the financial ties and the property in uh, Florida, because this is what they're talking about. The possible financial ties between Trump and Russia. That they are part of the concerns for U.S. intelligence and law enforcement officials from the beginning, according to one current law enforcement wow. official and one former U.S. intelligence official. So we're getting all these leaks now, no names now, but all of a sudden we're getting all these leaks and someone is going to drop the dime on the trumps. <laughs> I mean, someone knows something besides that close knit circle that they've created uh, Donald Trump, his daughter. So here's his, my qu- his boys and his
0: son in law. So, so here's my question for you. Who's gonna throw whom under the bus first? Because that's what th- this is what investigations do. They squeeze somebody so much that the person has a choice between going to jail forever or being an informant and a collaborator and kind of spilling the beans on everybody. So my question to you, Jamal, with everything that you've seen and everything that you've read, do you who's gonna throw whom under the bus first?
1: Well, I mean, if I want to get outside the family, definitely there are many disgruntled former employees (laughs) and many who were part of the circle, be it during Trump's private citizen ventures. And recently, as as we've we've been not seeing that yeah. Trump changes his uh, aides like he changes his
0: ties. Uh, he changes his ties less frequently than he changes his aides. Right.
1: If I was going to speculate on the close family family circle, uh, you know, the the familia, like la the familia. la familia, like the uh, the, the mafia then I would say the weak link is Jared Kushner because his real estate company is also under investigation. And it has been reported, uh, you know, recently reported that it has been subpoenaed by federal prosecutors in connection with its use of controversial program that allows investors to obtain the immigration visas. Remember the story about the immigration?
0: Yeah, it's called uh, pay pay to play so that if you invest they went to you know Kushner's sister went to China basically selling uh, visas to wealthy Chinese investors because they have that special program that if you invest $500,000 or more you get fast tracked and that's when they used you know the president's name and Jared Kushner's name and they, they, they uh, I mean it was outrageous what he was doing but I want to say another thing about Jared Kushner Jared Kushner's properties in Manhattan, Jamal, are underwater and no U.S. banks were going to lend him money. The only two banks or financial sources from what I've read are either Deutsche Bank, which is in bed with many Russian oligarchs. So there's there's that kind of shady connection. But he, was, he had that meeting with that Russian banker that has close ties to, the, to Vladimir Putin. So I think Kushner is going to end up being the one who is going to get thrown under the bus because I think he, he's financed these properties in, in Manhattan that are deeply underwater. And the
1: Kushners don't have the cleanest name. I mean, his no. father was in jail, Right, right. He was put in jail by uh, Chris Christie. no other than <laughs> and Chris Christie. That's why they don't have any love lost between them. But the subpoena issued by New York by the New York federal uh, prosecutors, uh, exactly what you said, concerns a commercial and residential tower in Jersey City that was financed in part by a scheme called the EB five or EB five Immigrant Investor Program. It's a scam. This is this is the scam. So this is uh, what What they've been doing Uh, and and this is really important, uh, an important discussion and I tell you why. It's kind of like connecting all the dots and you see everything like just kind of connects to a a developing story or a a new story because, uh, uh, you know, the biggest, uh, again, every day we discover a new controversy or a new statement or a new distraction, but yesterday it was Talking about the immigration, so the new immigration. I mean, of course, Jared Kushner has been uh, exploiting uh, this uh, immigration visas, but for uh, wealthy people. For wealthy people, but yesterday the the big controversy was uh, the new, I guess, what you'll call it, revamping the whole new immigration. Uh, policy for the United
0: States. It's outrageous when you read it, Jamal. It's really outrageous. Yeah. If you read the criteria, it's a grading system. It, it is a grading. It is a system
1: uh, based on merits. And, and think, think how many presidents we want to have in office if we had a system based on merit, including Donald Trump.
0: Oh, Donald. Yeah, well, Donald, they, they said Donald Trump's grandfather using this system would have never
1: been allowed w- to come. W- to this. Country. Well, I'm just saying, even within the system, within the government of the United States Absolutely. and the presidency and the Congress and the Senate, how many Congress, Senator, Congressmen, Congresswomen, senators and presidents make it based on merit?
0: No one <laughs> very to, few. to explain very. this. And
1: this is something uh, very important to me, as you know, I was the, the chair of the Immigrants' Rights Commission right here in San Francisco, right. and we worked on a lot of uh, important uh, things, including sanctuary series and uh, other uh, you know, programs to enhance the lives of immigrants here. But now the new uh, system or the new Trump's immigration plan the point system that you talked about. So there, these are some of uh, the highlights uh, of it. Uh, one of it. Uh, Speaking English. Education. Education points are uh, distributed based on the highest degree a person has achieved. One point is given to an applicant with a U.S. high school diploma or a, or a foreign equivalent. A foreign bachelor's degree earns five points, while a U.S. bachelor's degree earns six points, and so forth you have also age. So, so age also earns you. In other words, the, uh, the best category is to be between the age of uh, 26 and 30. Oops. Yeah. Or 22. And then you have points 18 to 21, 22 to 25, and then 26 to 30, and then it starts going down. <laughs> so your chances of getting the immigrant visa, if you are, um, in your mid-thirties, are very low. They become yeah because you get uh, you know very little points because they say that you don't have uh, earning power or you don't have many years, which is really like based on this whole capitalism idea that, that people who are over fifty are useless. That's right. You know, I mean, this is what that's the idea. Corporates or corporations do that's when right. they let go of people who are over 40 and 50 and so forth.
0: But you know, they want to privilege people who speak English. They want to privilege people who who basically have education who are younger. They want to privilege uh, people who have who, who are not going to take a job from quote an, uh, an existing citizen and and guess what? Or what do they have in it? The
1: investors visa. The bill would eliminate a category of visas that spurred foreign investment in the U.S. The EB-5 program, which was used by by Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner's family's businesses to build uh, major real estate projects. So that's that's. uh, So
0: by the way, just to drill down on the Kushner thing, just so people know what we're talking about. So basically, they go to they go to China. They find wealthy investors. They sell the condo for way overpriced. Let's say it's worth, you know, market values a million. They'll sell it for four million and meet the requirements. So basically, investing in the Kushner property, an overpriced uh, valuation of the Kushner property, meets the criteria to get the visa and uh, help the Kushners out total scam total scam we're going to take a short musical
1: break and then when we come back we're going to talk about also some leaked information Oops. about private conversations or or phone calls between trump and the prime minister of australia trump and the president of uh, mexico. Uh, of mexico of mexico and and parts of these conversations All right, this is Arab Talk on KPOO
0: 89.5 FM,
1: San Francisco.
0: So, Jamal, here just before we get to it, I want to just say that the, the Trumps and the Kushners have backed themselves into a corner, and there's no way out. I mean, they, each day, you know, there are people in the government, clearly, who are very worried about the integrity of our democracy and of our union here, who are not going to tolerate the, Kush- the Trump Kushner kind of uh, mafioso in, in the White House, or, or I think as some people like to call them the Romanovs. I mean, the, the royal family is not going to last much longer because there's no way for them to get out of this box. And um, these leaks are going to keep happening. Because people are going to leak this information because they see the grave danger involved with having this guy sit in the seat of the presidency.
1: Well, uh, speaking of leaks, uh-oh, uh, a new uh, leak—a uh, full transcript—wow—of of, uh, uh, of uh, the conversation between Donald Trump first fo- phone calls, which he made actually in his uh, kind of first 48 hours or first week in office. One to the uh, uh, president of uh, Mexico, Enrique Pena Nieto, and then the other one with Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, both of which turned into heated arguments over immigration issues because we right. were talking about immigration. So no surprises here, but, uh, but <laughs> interesting, interesting facts and funny facts, especially something that we talk about all the time. So during the conversation with Nieto, Trump at some point mentioned Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, your favorite uh, prime minister, <laughs> saying that he is relying on Netanyahu's advice when he when he says the United States should build a wall along its border with Mexico. Unbelievable. Yeah, this is this is his day. I don't know if it's day one or day two, but let's say let's call it the very first week. His first two phone calls. He's saying that Benjamin he referred, has, Yes, this is it. He comes and says, you know, I'm building the wall because my expert my friend Bibi. He didn't talk about an American expert. He didn't talk about a former president. He don't he didn't talk about homeland security. He didn't talk about the entire immigration department. He didn't talk. He quoted Benjamin Netanyahu and said, it's a good idea. This is this is based on my conversation with Benjamin Netanyahu. So so uh, and and during that conversation, uh, the reference to, you know, to Netanyahu came in the middle of a very tense part of Trump's call with the Mexican president during which both leaders openly disagreed on how to publicly handle the question of who will pay for the border wall. Trump promised his voters during the 2016 election. Wow. Uh, and I'm here. Some, some parts I'm going to be quoting from the transcript and others maybe paraphrasing. Bear with me. And here is a quote. He said, you know, you look at Israel. That's Trump speaking. You know, you look at Israel. Israel has a wall. And everyone said, do not build a wall. Walls do not work. 99.9% of people trying to get across that wall cannot get across anymore. Trump tells Peña Nieto. He then adds, "Bibi Netanyahu told me the wall works." <laughs> so he's comparing our relationship with we only we, we share borders with two countries only. Canada to, and Mexico. That's it. And we've ha- we have historic relationship with Mexico. And that's the one out of two neighbors we have. He's comparing it to Israel's apartheid, basically, of Palestine, trying to segregate Jews from Muslims, from Christians, uh, you know, create uh, which they managed to do the largest open air prison in Gaza and then separate the West Bank and and make Jewish only roads which are accessible to uh, colonial settlers. But Palestinians, it cuts through their through their land, through their villages, through their agricultural land to go from settlement to the other is comparing this to make our
0: relationship to with with Mexico. He must believe it, Jamal. He must believe that the United States ha- has to occupy um, Mexico and subject uh, the people the in, you know, the the independent country and independent people of Mexico. He must subject them. To the apartheid practices that Israel thats right. In. So,
1: so then the conversation gets sweeter, <laughs> gets more interesting, I should say. So, uh, so this conversation, by the way, took place. Uh, now I have the date on January twenty seventh.
0: Seven days after inauguration. Exactly. Yeah.
1: A day later, Netanyahu
0: put out a tweet in his uh,
1: official account expressing support for Trump's plan a plan to put up a wall on the Mexican border. And this is uh, reading uh, from Benjamin Netanyahu official Twitter account. What did he say? And he said, President Trump is right. I built a wall along Israel's southern border. It stopped all illegal immigration.
0: Great success. Great idea. (laughs) But let me ask you, Jamal, just really quickly, who paid for that wall? Well, the United States, of people. course. Yeah, yeah. So the twist of uh, the tweet, uh, uh, of course, cause if you remember
1: somewhat of a diplomatic storm between the two countries, they kept it hush hush two countries, meaning Mexico and Israel with Mexico fuming of over Israel perceived support of Trump's bid to build the wall. The crisis was resolved only after President Reuven Rivlin, that's the president of Israel, called Mexico's Pena Nieto to apologize. Uh, I'm certain that no one intended to make a comparison between the situation in Israel and that of Mexico. It was all a misunderstanding, Rivlin, yeah, right, Rivlin right. said. Right. So then, you know, so they kind of uh, hushed that uh, feud between Israel and Mexico. But uh, anyway, uh, then, of course, uh, the big news here, uh, people are not focusing about this on, on this story, by the way, which is, I think, that's the crux of the whole situation is uh, that segregation it's the separation between the north and the south between rich and poor and very similar I mean that's what I see uh, about people uh, of color of building building the wall not about just the immigration you know itself because people have been coming to this country from all over the world not just from from Mexico but What the media now is talking about is uh, the other part of the conversation where Trump basically tried to send a hint uh, to uh, the president of Mexico saying that, okay, let's not kind of uh, talk about it in front of the media, but maybe you're not going to be paying for the wall in a way you know that, you know, that's the big promise. The promise is not to build the wall. Mexico will pay for it, but Mexico will pay for it. So so during his conversation, Trump asked uh, his Mexican counterpart multiple times to avoid saying. Publicly that Mexico will not pay for the wall because the first thing, like immediately, if you remember, the president of Mexico said, We're not gonna pay for the wall. (laughs) You could could build the wall on your own land, whatever on the border, but we're not paying one peso towards towards that wall. And then he said, and then this is what Trump was saying, you cannot say it to the press. Trump was telling him on the phone. Not telling him, ordering him. He told him at some point, the press is going to go with that, and I cannot live with that. You cannot say that to the press because I cannot negotiate under those circumstances. So, in other words, what he was telling him, we can negotiate about who's going to pay for the war, but just don't say anything. Say anything. So it it is like an uh, acknowledgement uh, on Trump's behalf that Mexico will not actually pay for the wall despite his election promise that it will. Uh, Pena Nieto replied that he has no choice but to
0: state the position publicly. Unbelievable. He actually feels like he can just order people around as if they're working for him in his corporation. That's the way he treated a sovereign a leader of a sovereign country. It's, it's unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable. But f- to me, which
1: this is what you're going to be hearing about
0: more and more, more
1: and more in the media. But to me, actually, the big story is really the comparison between the wall between the United States and its neighbor, Mexico, comparing it to the apartheid wall. That Israel built but on it, Palestinian land, but it's land.
0: interesting. I mean, he quotes Bibi Netanyahu in a in a, a in a discussion with the president of Mexico. What do you want to bet that this does not make the the media uh, when this kind of hits the mainstream media? The part about Netanyahu and the wall and and the some p- reported it, but it has not been the
1: topic. The topic has been about uh, Trump hen- hinting that just play the game with me, and you, you may not have to pay for that wall.
0: We're at KPOO in San Francisco. We're at 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. We're going to take a short musical break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about everything Trump-related in Palestine and, and everything else. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Arab Talk on KPOO in San Francisco, 89.5 FM. You can also listen to us streaming at the KPOO.com website. You can also follow us on Facebook through Jamal's Facebook page, Jamal Dejani 2. That's the number 2. Follow us on Twitter at Arab Talk Radio. SoundCloud. SoundCloud, Arab Talk Radio, if you want to listen. And iTunes. So... We're, we're, we're covering all the bases. We're all over the place. We're, we're everywhere. Uh, and you know what, Jamal? We need to be everywhere because of what's happening in terms of this, the, this current administration's impact on the Arab world. We're going to talk about Palestine now. But with just one tweet, Donald Trump managed to unravel the, the Gulf Cooperation Council. <laughs> He managed to have all the Gulf countries just because of one tweet fighting each other now such that Qatar is being isolated by the UAE by Saudi Arabia by Bahrain and of course our friends in Egypt. But one tweet is unraveling the 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 kind of stability that the United States at least had superficially had in the Gulf. But bigger news is that it looks like again the Palestinians are on the short end of the stick, Jamal. The, we can't agree on health care in the Congress. We, we can't agree on anything in the Congress. But apparently, we can agree to squeeze Palestinians even more. That's right. And uh, this is uh, a new story.
1: Actually, just uh, uh, within the past 24 hours, a U.S. Senate committee approved legislation today, Thursday they've been discussing it just in the past uh, 48 hours that would suspend US financial assistance to the Palestinian Authority until it ends. What lawmakers said is a long standing practice of rewarding Palestinians who kill Americans and Israelis. This is this is, you know, every year they do this. You have uh, a senator or a Congress uh, uh, man or woman. Uh, you know, for a few years, was the congresswoman from from Florida, oh, uh, uh,
0: uh, eliana Lo- Ross Layton, yeah. yeah,
1: who was doing that on behalf of uh, APAC, uh, and they always throw a monkey wrench, uh, you know, to kind of spoil that uh, financial aid to the Palestinian Authority. So members of uh, the Republican-led led Senate Foreign Relations Committee voted 17 to 4 to pass the measure called the Taylor force act sponsored by South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham and the committee chairman uh, Tennessee Republican Senator Bob, Bob Corker and Corker said that the Palestinian Authority has enshrined in law a system that creates a monetary incentive for acts of terrorism by paying monthly stipends of as much as 3500 dollars to Palestinians who commit acts of violence and their families. The amount of the payment depends on the length of the jail sentence they receive for the crime, he said.
0: So for our listeners who may not know what what this is about of the the 6000 Palestinians that are in administrative detention who are in jail, you know, under Israeli, you know, military system or who are killed by by the Israelis. What happens is that Palestinian Authority does support the families after they either are imprisoned and can and these men can no longer make money or they're dead and their families can no longer support them. Exactly.
1: So so basically they support families who lost their breadwinners exactly to the atrocities of the occupation the vast majority of whom are unduly arrested or killed by Israel. So, so, and I don't think the amounts where where they say $3,500 a month. I I doubt it. That's baloney because no one makes $3,500 a month. (laughs) The prime
0: minister doesn't doesn't even make $3,500.
1: Well, I I know ministers, maybe they make $4,000 a month. So to pay thirty-five hundred dollars a month is nonsense. But,
0: but why? But, but isn't outrageous that war, you know that somehow, because families are being supported, because their breadwinner has been murdered, killed, or imprisoned, that ne- that that the United States is deciding to insert itself into this kind of equation as if Palestinians aren't going to support families who are suffering.
1: The the thing is also the United States gives very little money I mean it's financial aid and I'm against actually financial aid uh, personally I'm against fi- financial aid unless you know t- to help people against famine I don't like financial aid going to the Palestinian Authority I don't like financial aid going to the Egyptian government I don't like financial aid going to Israel to enhance its occupation but if we want to compare apples with apples Israel receives over four and a half billion dollars in direct financial aid and an additional six billion dollars, an average of 10 billion dollars a year through indirect indirects. And the financial aid they're talking about, the, the Trump administration's budget request for the fiscal 2018 includes roughly $260 million for economic development and law enforcement programs. And I want to emphasize the law enforcement Uh programs because, you know, I've been there. I've seen it. Most of that financial aid, that financial aid goes to American, Canadian, and British, and maybe Australian security companies.
0: Supporting the Palestinian
1: training, uh, right, training the Palestinian police in Jericho to be specific in training camps to really protect Israeli settlers and to this deescalate situations when Palestinians and collect, demonstrate and to collect intelligence. So, for the Israelis. So, so a big chunk of that. And that's why even when uh, the United States cut its uh, budget in many instances like i said during uh, 2011 and 2013 with uh, uh, congresswoman Leighton from florida they've maintained the security portion of so course. so basically the other portion it's it's for libraries and books and education and, and you know it has nothing to do with the military or paying the, the the so-called terrorists as as they say the financial by the way uh, aid to the palestinians has shrunk from almost uh, 900 million dollars now to 2. Point, uh, you know 2.6 I mean, $260 million, that's wow, the one. Wow,
0: that, that's, that's a
1: huge reduction. And as you know, under the Obama administration, not even under, under Trump, we'll have to see how much increases, because he's, he's kind of uh, padding the financial aid to Israel. He, he has already made the promise that he, uh, he was going to increase that. Obama has put into a law
0: the largest financial aid package to Israel. That's right, uh, Ever what was the amount it was like uh, 35 billion dollars over the course of 10 years in in mili- basically additional militaries. I thought it was more like f- I have to look to look at it. It's
1: it's a lot of money. But anyway, Israel Israel received more financial aid than, than anybody, any any right. country in the, in the entire world. And, and so now this is uh, the big news uh, that uh, they want to again reward uh, the occupation and uh,
0: penalize
1: uh, the Palestinians.
0: Well, I mean, mean, it's, it's, um, you know, part of this larger picture of the U.S. foreign policy at this time, Jamal, being run by Twitter, being run by 140 characters from the executive branch with very little guidance. I mean, you, you know what we hear from people in the State Department is that no one is running the ship. You have Tillerson calling people, uh, visiting people. His entourage is maybe four or five people. He never gives press conferences. The State Department rarely issues press statements. So it's 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 really mind boggling to think that this country and our State Department and our military and our executive branch are literally asleep at the wheel in terms of directing our foreign policy at this point.
1: Well, I mean, it's a joke, especially if we want to talk about the uh, Palestinian Israeli conflict.
0: Oh, I have and breaking who news. is and who is
1: I have breaki- the advisor or ha- who is
0: the expert on this? Test? I have breaking news for you, Jamal. Say it. Jared Kushner, who is Portfolio, chief portfolio, his chief of portfolio for the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, announced yesterday, after all of his tremendous efforts to create peace in that region, Mm -hmm. finally announced that he didn't think it was now possible. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So what wisdom or
1: insights Jared Kushner... The son-in-law of the president of the United States has to bring peace to the Middle East.
0: Yeah, well, here's the Kushner plan. It's basically promising Palestinians economic uh, development if they give up their right, their inalienable right and commitment as indigenous people of Palestine. If they give up their right to their connection to their homes and their land, if they give up their right of return, if they agree to occupation and agree to be occupied, Kushner had the idea that we'll throw some economic development nuggets to the elite and everything will be fine. He learned a very difficult lesson. And after less than six months as the chief portfolio advisor to Peace in the Middle East, he's come to this amazing conclusion, Jamal. Maybe it's not possible. I tell you, it's like Trump saying, who thought uh, health care uh, <laughs> and the Affordable Care Act would be so complicated? Uh, the, the, the breadth and the depth of the ignorance that this uh, royal family is bringing to bear is just breathtaking, Jamal. Who would think that health care is complicated? Who would think that the issue of Palestine is complicated? Jared Kushner, after six months, says, Well, maybe it's not possible. It's well, unbelievable. Well, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a, a thing or two about Kushner's qualifications. <laughs> Trump's son-in-law. He not only lacks the necessary qualifications, experience and knowledge, he also lacks the pretense of balance or objectivity. Of this course. is, this is, you know, you look at the Kushner's his- history. In fact, I'll paraphrase a headline either from Reuters, which was also reprinted in Haaretz. I think uh, about Kushner and the settlers and the and the headline was for hardline West Bank settlers. Jared Kushner's their man. That was wow. that was the headline because of the relationship his family has with Israel, with the settlement movement. Well, they funded with the their investment. With, yeah, exactly not in Israel, but also his family used its real estate fortune to donate millions of dollars, millions of dollars to Israel schools, which is fine institutions, but also Illegal the settlements. settlements. Yeah. That's this is something you don't have to dig around like the the Russian affair to to find. This is something I mean part and parcel of their family's history which has a very strong ties. I'll tell you something more. So not this way are now you got me started on this topic. <laughs> but Bibi Netanyahu has a direct and strong relationship With the family, with the father. When Bibi Netanyahu used to fly to New York, where do you think he used to stay? With the Kushners. He used to stay at the Kushner family home in New Jersey during Jared's childhood. And he was bragging. In one occasion, even slept in his bed. I mean, talking about sleeping in bed with someone. He actually slept... In the bed of Jared Kushner, as when he was a teenager, this is reported. This is not. This is not a secret. This was reported in the Times. Unbelievable. Because the Times. So 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 when uh, when he talks to Bibi Netanyahu, they're old family friends. So now, for the Palestinians to have him as the fair and balance, whatever, uh, U.S de facto ambassador, moderator, Middle East envoy. I mean, imagine chief of portfolio. Imagine. I mean, this is the person who's supposed to broker a you know, peace. You know, so you bring somebody who with expertise and credibility and at least
0: some sort of balance. No, but also some some modicum of intelligence, some ability to bring respect, you know, at least to the people you're talking to. What we've heard in terms of, again, leaks, Jamal, is that when Kushner went to meet with uh, Abu Mazen in Ramallah, that, you know, and Abu, Abu Mazen has been humiliated by everybody in, in the world. He, I mean, he's been taking humiliation and humiliating himself. For for decades, even Abu, Abu Mazen felt <laughs> humiliated <laughs> by. He did, but yeah, he was ready to throw him out of the office. He felt so humiliated by it. So for Abu Mazen to feel humiliated again, the breadth and the depth of the lack of you know awareness and sense of like history here is is breathtaking. So even Abu Mazen was was uh, humiliated by by Kushner's approach so I mean it's it's laughable we, we can joke about this but it has dire real consequences the dire consequences and this is what I think is really going on Jamal all of this hand waving it's giving the Israelis a free pass to build settlements at a rapid pace to steal more pa- Palestinian land Jerusalem Jamal is being ravaged Every single day more Palestinian homes are being destroyed in Jerusalem. the Haram Sharif people are being denied their ability to pray in in holy sites I mean nobody's paying attention to this and I think well that's what's I mean going
1: on. They, they started paying attention because for the first time in many years Palestinians and I'm talking not about the Palestinian Authority I'm not talking about governments and puppets and people who are paid I'm talking about the average man and woman in the streets of Jerusalem. The big conspiracy was to take over the Haram Sharif, Dome of the Rock and Al-Aqsa Mosque and only the individuals, the Palestinians who basically and and it wasn't covered well in the media wasn't was a a massive civil civil disobedience movement uh, which stopped the israelis in their tracks and then now afterwards everyone has been trying to take credit for it from from king salman of saudi arabia sure, said salman. he made some calls to cc to jordan to, to kushner to the palestinian authority etc actually we'll talk about this but kushner played a role because we should have talked about what happened also in jordan that's uh, with the murder of the two Jordanians and uh, when Bibi Netanyahu was trying to reach King Abdullah who was vacationing and he wasn't taking his call to try to mitigate uh, what happened uh, what I've learned that uh, Bibi Netanyahu called Kushner so that the State Department or the American government tracks King Abdullah and and have him get engaged so they can (laughs) and uh, that uh, diplomatic uh, uh, crisis.
0: It's it's an embarrassment. I mean, again, uh, oh, I, I cannot joke about this stuff because I really fear for we, we, we've been talking about destabilization in the region, Jamal, and I believe that there's the real possibility that we're, 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 we're in for even a greater period of destabilization in 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 the area now in in Palestine in Syria possibly Jordan in the Gulf we're we're talking about you know the potential for even greater destabilized uh, moments uh, in front of us right now because they're asleep at they're not even asleep at the wheel they're putting gasoline on the fire they are and uh, we're coming to
1: an end to well, another Arab talk on KPO comments. San Francisco 89.5 FM and then, uh, just you're going to be traveling back to the
0: Middle East. Yes, I'll be in the Middle East. So you'll uh, be coming with a whole... Uh, lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. And uh, send us your comments to ArabTalk at KPO.com. Follow us on Twitter. Check out Facebook, Jamal Dejani 2. And uh, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.